Hello and welcome to the podcast, The Lotus Eaters, for Wednesday, my dudes. I am joined by Stelios. Hello. And Harry. Hello. Why are you drinking Pepsi? Because uh, Tom asked if I wanted anything from the shop, and I asked him for a Pepsi. He got me a Pepsi. Oh, because you're a Zionist, is that? Is it, what, is this, <laughs> is this a Jewish drink? Do you know about the memory TV thing on Pepsi? There's this guy... Is, is, is Coca-Cola... Halal, but this is Haram. There's a guy who goes on memory TV and he argues that Pepsi is secretly a Zionist corporation. How do you know? Because of the name. Pay every penny straight to Israel. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God! I'm doing it to the max as well. Yeah, I love how they there's 75 pennies. For some reason, Israel's doing the 75 shekels. No. But it, like, it has to be pennies. So it's got to be in British currency or I don't know how else that works. So PepsiCo, an American company, is. Oh, wait, no, American. Wouldn't that imply Pepsi tea? Pepsi, yeah. You do it also T for Great two. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is this is, sorry? Is that memory TV thing? Is that guy? Is that guy? Is that just a meme or is that serious? Uh, half and half. The Arab world is a bit mental. Because I don't know if memory TV is a real thing or if it's just a meme that's been concocted by 4chan. No, it's real. I mean, it's just that there are interesting people in the Middle East, and they'll come up and tell you about the proper way to beat your wife. It's anyway. Half of the conversation makes a good point. Speaking of Israel Palestine, I'm trying to stay away from it, but today. <laughs> we will be talking about McDonald's' proxy war in the whole thing. Uh, who needs speech anyway? And multiculturalism has failed. Which... Why is McDonald's always the first place? Because it was the first place in Russia as well. A new leadership. That's how I'm going to put that. We'll get to it. It's because people are genuinely um, saddened by the lower quality of food. Yeah, they sincere... It used to be better. What, they what? desperately want to return to McDonald's nationalism. Yes, they want to go back to McDonald's traditionalism. That might be fine with living in the values of the original firm. Well, we'll get to it, I suppose. But I have some announcements to make. First one here, the, the Cyberpunk Dystopia, that's uh, after this. So we finish at 2.30 UK time, and then that's enough time to go heat your, your chicken tendies and come back, and uh, we'll be... Well, we'll, we'll well, is Hassan watching this? Uh, maybe. Yeah, maybe. I, is, I guess, why not steal our content, you fat? <laughs> Come watch uh, Carl torture me for an hour about the fact that the world's getting worse. And um, it's a pretty weird strategy from him, but whatever. That's, uh, there's that. So, can you come and join it? It's good fun. It's good fun. It's to improve job satisfaction, Callum. There it is. And then the last <laughs> thing to mention, which is um, Le Mad Lad, Lord Miles of Kabul, is coming in. He's coming in, I believe, on Thursday, and we'll be doing a Lad's Hour talking about your ideal holiday. Now, I would think about doing my ideal Sunday, but apparently the holiday was more relevant. So, you know. We'll be having a conversation yep. about how much we love Shagaloo, presumably. So do come and join. That'll be tomorrow, 3 p.m. UK time. Oh, we shall begin. McDonald's proxy wars is not something I thought I would be saying. I, like Usually it's the government that does the proxy wars, right? But no, the, the, the American embassy itself has now got involved, McDonald's Corporation. And th this is a hell of a story. And it begins with Israel, of course. And for people who's joined for the first time, I don't really try and get into the Israel-Palestine conflict because I'm not, I'm not the most clued up man about the whole thing. Like I try and stay educated, but my God, uh, there are people who are better suited for talking about the conflict itself. So we're not talking about the conflict itself. We're talking about McDonald's proxy war around it because McDonald's decided to donate thousands of free meals to the Israeli defense forces and civilians after the Hamas attack, this being the, the opening segment of the uh, conflict there. And um, there's one more thing they offered, which was kind of funny. There's a, uh, like, I don't know, employee discount now to the entire IDF. They get 50% off. <laughs> the IDF are now technically registered employees of McDonald's Corporation. Seem, all right. Seems so. Interesting. Also, the security forces. So all of um, 
Mossad uh, are going down and getting their nuggies. So that was a thing. Uh, they said they donated 4,000 meals to the Israeli Defense Forces and civilians uh, at time of writing. And if you go and check out the source for this, which was uh, McDonald's Israel's uh, Instagram, it's privated now. That's a bit weird. I didn't expect that. So the reason for this, we'll quickly see. Is there a McDonald's Palestine Instagram account? And are they at war with one another? Uh, there isn't. Oh. Uh, McDonald's isn't actually in. McDonald's picking sides. Yeah. For some reason, I thought they were in way more countries than they are. But follow the conversation. But they're right in here. So far, the fast food giant has donated 12,000 meals to the IDF and Israeli residents in surrounding areas, according to a post on, well, McDonald's Israel's Instagram, which is now not visible for some reason. Pictures showing cars loaded with McDonald's meals and soldiers and workers in hospitals receiving the packages. And I can't show you any of that because they deleted it, as you can see here, or at least made it private, so I can't uh, view it. And the reason for this is because the Muslim world did not take this kindly. I think is the most polite way of putting this. Have we got a worldwide jihad against Ronald now? Yes. Uh, McDonald's has been declared haram, at least by the international Muslim community. And uh, very quickly, McDonald's Muslim, I, I suppose I'm just going to dub it, uh, the, the McDonald's, McDonald's branches. McDonald's Omen. <laughs> yeah, well, no, the McDonald's branches in all of the Muslim world, including Oman, decided they had to do something and very quickly. So this is uh, the proxy. Airdrops of McDonald's over Palestine and the Gaza Strip <laughs> right now. <laughs> We're going to feed Hamas. <laughs> and the surrounding civilians. Um, McDonald's is feeding both sides. I, to be honest, I'm, if you're having a bad day, a free McDonald's is not a bad idea. But if my children have just been killed in an airstrike, I do not want airdrop McDonald's landing on my house. It, it might rubble. take a bit of the sting off. Yeah. Oh, God, my children are dead. Ooh, burger. <laughs> I'd love to see some cartoons from uh, the McFlurry. You know, might might help. But like, an, it is sorry, a Palestinian cartoon where they're like, "No, the Israelis are bombing us again." Oh no, it's just McDonald's. They're on our side anyway. But you can see here, Oman decided to issue a statement, and they put it in uh, spaghetti and English. And you can see here, the, the statement's quite lengthy, to say the least. They say, "We are pleased to announce that McDonald's Oman has donated a hundred thousand U.S. dollars towards relief efforts for the people of Gaza." It's not a small change. There's certainly more than 12,000 McDonald's menu. I Literally funding both sides. Yeah. Uh, we would also like to confirm that McDonald's Corporation is a listed company owned by millions of shareholders from around the world, including Arabs and Muslims. McDonald's Corporation never interfere in politics. I'll go back to that. And always adheres to absolute neutrality and does not adopt any political position for <laughs> commercial interests. Obvious bollocks. We, we know what they've been doing in the West. We'll get back to them. People who don't. But also, I mean, they, they, they pulled out of Russia. Yeah. I mean, this doesn't even make sense in the context, though, where it's like, yes, we at McDonald's, oh man, don't get involved in politics. Now, here's 100 grand for Gaza. Except in this <laughs> instance where we're directly involving ourselves in politics. Yeah. They go on to say uh, McDonald's, oh man, is 100% Omani owned and is uh, managed by the Al Dawood Restaurants Corporation. In conclusion, we stand with Gaza in these difficult times. Not involved in politics. Except when not. Yep. Let us combine all our efforts and support the community in Gaza with everything we can. We ask God Almighty to protect our beloved country and all Arabs and Muslim countries from all the evil and hate. Oh, thank God. Okay, they're not picking sides, guys, but they do end off with Oman stands with Gaza. Palestine <laughs> saved. Now that the McDonald's Corporation stands with them. I hate all of this. I, I hate that McDonald's has to be even slightly involved with any politics. I would rather they just sold the burgers. I mean, they, 
the Burger King Corporation in Russia is still there. And you oh, know, are they? Because they don't care about politics. Because they're just selling burgers. Yeah. Whereas McDonald's is going to be doing a new advertising campaign showing two Muslim men making out with one another <laughs> to try and sell burgers. We drew a Jew and a Muslim kissing. The thing is that a good royale with cheese can bring people together. They actually That's going to be the newest advertising campaign, isn't it? It actually will be. It's going to be like the Israel-Palestine border. Two men shake hands and they bond and connect over a grenade. Or, and it's actually or, a toy plane from the new Happy Meal from McDonald's. There should be a sign of peace like this if you do your hand like this. And there should be a burger inside, you know, the burger that connects the people. We make the logo with... What, you, yeah. you do that, and they do that, and yeah. you make the McDonald's yes. end together. I, I don't think any of that's going to happen. Instead, we have the modern world where, depending on which branch you're in, you have to endorse local politics instead of, I don't know, just doing business. Because, of course, McDonald's USA have been doing this for a while. <laughs> I forgot. <laughs> Black trans women have a very simple message, stop killing us. I wasn't trying to. Wait, was there a mirror on the other side of the camera? What's going on? Yeah, and this is a big old thread from the Black Lives Matter era in which they just spouted loads of propaganda for ages. I'm just going to read some of it, I suppose. Support black-led organizations, support black people, at some guy. Uh, they also want to say, we must protect, honor, love, and defend black women at all costs, which was, um, whatever. <laughs> they, they also go on to say that in this instance, um, there's not enough anti-racist research figuring out what's wrong with racist policy, and it's it's M that X guy, Ibram X Kendi, yeah, <laughs> that guy. He's it's been now hired. sponsored by McDonald's. <laughs> it, he is. Uh, they also say, well, they just go on and on. With this uh, you know why he did it? I wonder. Did, uh, may I ask if KFC did anything similar to this, or would that have looked bad? <laughs> they did try once. Do you remember Trinidad and Tobago KFC? for Black History Month, decided to have a chicken uh, fist. There was a chicken jumpster and then a shadow was a black... I think I do remember that, actually. Trinidad and Tobago being a black majority country, uh, didn't see anything wrong with that, but white America did and shut them down. They had to delete the tweet. It is pretty funny. Yeah. Uh, did, did he do it for blackmailing against McDonald's? Was there any massive grand donation from McDonald's to the anti-racist research center. Uh, there totally was, and um, we'll get back to the amount of money later. But of course, my point being that McDonald's USA or McDonald's International, at least since 2020, has been actively engaging in politics. Yeah. So the, that statement from Oman there is obviously saving face, but it doesn't even make sense in that specific circumstance. But they're not the only part of the Muslim world that was pretty outraged. Um, Pakistan decided to issue a statement, um, <laughs> and they said that they are not giving any money, but they promised to make Pakistan great. Thanks. Oh, was there anything <laughs> relevant? <laughs> they literally just like, yeah, we, we in McDonald's Pakistan work to make Pakistan richer. Okay. I mean, fair play. That's just a humble brag. Yeah, I guess so. I mean, Pakistan doesn't have any money whatsoever anymore because of all the floods and everything. So fair enough. McDonald's Kuwait, though, they come out with something. They say, we stand with our brothers and sisters in Palestine, not picking sides, though, especially in Gaza, and reject any and all claims of questioning our Arab and Kuwaiti identity. Ooh, I like that. I very much like that. Could you imagine the American McDonald's saying something like that? Nope. We reject all claims questioning our American patriotism and our American identity. No, we have black trans women in instead. They go on to say that they're going to give 250,000 US dollars to the uh, Kuwait Red Cross, sorry, Red Crescent Society, because it's Muslim world, uh, to help relief efforts in Gaza. May God protect our beloved Kuwait and all people of the Arab and Muslim worlds. 
which again, just another like fantastic sign off. I'll be honest. I want that. But in our are they picking sides? Where is it? I don't think they're picking sides. Yeah. I think they just except for the the, except for the two hundred and fifty thousand dollars they donated for Gaza. Well also only calling for the protection of the Arab and Muslim world. All right. <laughs> and when you consider when you consider their perspective that the entire world should be the Arab and Muslim world, that means there's no sides chosen. It is coherent. It's the side of Allah. Uh, the Saudis had something to say. McDonald's Saudi Arabia over here. Uh, they only wrote theirs in squiggles. They didn't want to write theirs in English for some reason. Uh, Five hundred thousand US dollars donated to Gaza uh, relief efforts, and then they write off at the end of that. May God help them. Uh, uh, has, has anyone translated? The, oh no, it's I, just squiggles. I translated on Google Translate earlier. So that's, uh, all right, okay. Um, they they go on to reiterate that they have nothing to do with politics, which is why uh, they ended off on politics. Yeah, they ended off with the same statement. We ask God Almighty to protect all Muslims and more all Arabs. Uh, okay, <laughs> so there's that. But what do you expect? And we have Egypt here decide to come out with some more squiggles. They say they're donating seven hundred thousand US dollars, and then the rest of the statement is same as always. And uh, it keeps going. The UAE came out and said they're donating three hundred thousand US dollars. Turkey, one million dollars. Yeah, <laughs> friggin' Doctor Evil over here. But for some reason, you know, all those rich Arab countries that have way more money donated way less than Turkey, who doesn't even border any of this. The countries that did border gave way less. You might think that seems a bit high. As, well, there's a reason. As far as I'm aware, a lot of these. Ooh. You see what's on the screen? You see how desperate they are yeah. for their McFlurries. Um, there were a series of protests along the Muslim world before the sort of statement was given, all the money was given, so the proxy war expanded. But in Turkey, uh, they weren't waiting for a statement. They, they started bashing McDonald's stores down. So presumably oh. that's why the money is so high. All right. If I remember, have, have any of these countries so far offered to take in Palestinian refugees? No. Hmm. But I, I mean, Hamza Yusuf just did for did, Scotland. I thought we'd check in just on an, an average McDonald's in the West, though. So McDonald's Germany, what did they have to say about all this? Um, they just changed their flag to a rainbow, which um, I don't know why. Is it Pride Month in Germany? I, <laughs> I'm not aware that it is. I, <laughs> I don't know what to say. They just Maybe they stand with queers for Palestine. Yeah, maybe they do. Uh, Lebanon, though, they stand with uh, Gaza. They, they donated 700,000 US dollars. Uh, Malaysia, they decided to not donate anything, but instead reiterate that they've given $2.5 million in Zakat. For people who don't know, Zakat is the charitable donation Muslims have to make, or should make, religiously, to help the poor and destitute of the world. Um, apparently, corporations also have to do that, Malaysia being a Muslim country. Uh, Morocco, though, I think, topped it all off by sending thoughts and prayers. <laughs> Thinking about you in these trying times. <laughs> I'm not even kidding. They're just right here. It's like our thoughts are uh, with those suffering. Everyone else all coordinated and gave a boatload of money. And Morocco was just like, idiots. <laughs> like, we're not doing that. Uh, Jordan, who I, I wasn't able to get the source, but someone in an article did mention they gave 100 grand. So that's $3.6 million to Gaza. Uh, in return, the IDF got some McNuggies. So it's a pretty one-sided proxy pretty war. pretty fair to me. But I just hate how this is the modern world now. Like if we have any conflict in the world, apparently major, uh, specifically American corporations, fast food restaurants need to get involved in this. Yeah. I mean, the embarrassment over Russia. What, what does the Burger King have to say on the matter? <laughs> There's a war in Cambodia. I want to hear more from Chick-fil-A. <laughs> I don't really care. And this isn't the first time either, as, as 
you correctly mentioned earlier, this is a, a statement on McDonald's corporate where they just write about how much they love Black Lives Matter and then proceeded to donate $1 million not to Black Lives Matter, which is a bit weird. Don't you trust them with money? Well, correct move not to, I suppose. They gave it to the NAACP instead. So they're just funding more race scripting there because they've not been useful for about 40 years. What, what does the NAACP have to do with Israel-Palestine? Oh, this was back when it was Black Lives oh, Matter. Oh, sorry, yeah. Back My point just to mention yeah. that, you know, in the West, they will be funding leftism. And when it comes to um, the Arab world, they'll be doing Arab things, I suppose. And um, well, the IDF didn't seem to... You, can't really, you can't really fit the Arab stuff on a left-right spectrum, can you? It's just its own thing. Just Yeah, it's its own thing. But I also love the idea that the uh, it's now up to Israel, McDonald's, to see if they're going to step up. Instead, apparently, they've run away. They've, they've privated their account. So there's that. But back home real quick, because you did mention it, and I think it is relevant. The, the homeland. <laughs> so I'm so proud. Life. So proud. Yeah, MI5 came out in the same time that McDonald's proxy war has been lightening up, and they're saying the, the, the whole war could fuel radicalization. Now, McDonald's UK, at time of writing, have not done anything, but I, I would also be worried about radicalization within the American embassies and our soil. But they, they say in here that their big concern is not necessarily the McDonald's down in Swindon Central. Uh, they say their worry is how do you balance the ability to track a teenage would-be terrorist consuming extreme right-wing media with the ability of uh, research from universities? This seems less than timely. Yeah, I, I'm sorry, but I am just kind of like, yes, the extreme right. Truly the force to be reckoned with in the Israel-Gaza conflict. And we, you've looked at the sort of reports that they're putting out on a year-by-year -year basis, and even within those reports, they admit, well, actually basically no terrorism coming from any right-wing groups. It's all coming from these groups. But we won't focus on those because that would be politically incorrect. I believe every year for about a decade, 90% of all terrorism has been Islamic and then 5 or 6% varying has been communist. And then it's just various ethnic nonsense. And then you maybe... You could have expected that. Maybe you get a New Zealand mosque shooting. But no, the number one concern is instead this, okay? Well, speaking of which, over the weekend, well, not the weekend, well, yesterday, I suppose, uh, a man killed a man in Hartlepool. There we are. That's all the news. That's all you need to read. There was someone else who did point out that, um, well, he was from Algeria. Sorry, this one was Moroccan. Previous man was Algerian, decided to kill someone. There you are. Hartlepool asylum seeker. So he literally came over on the boats, turned up, was given a free apartment or... Probably a free phone with a Facebook account free hotel, and then just murdered a pensioner because, I don't know, it's five in the morning. And the BBC... Better to do. I'm sure it was an isolated incident. Indeed. Number um, <laughs> 10,643,223. This is the 10th isolated incident this day. Yes. <laughs> but it goes on. As you mentioned, Hamza Youssef has come out and said we need more of these people, specifically those from Gaza, en masse to move to Scotland. I'm so glad that Scotland, a very cold country on the northern side of the British Isles, is offering more refugee support to Gaza than all of the Islamic countries neighboring it. Well, specifically, there's a couple that came out and just went, oh, Lamau, why would I take refugees? Well, in here we have Jordan and Egypt, who just went, no. Jordan is literally next door. Yeah. And they were like, nope, no thank you. Yeah, I mean, there's a very good argument to make that Jordan really is the correct owners of Palestine. In, in, in dual ship there. Oh, yeah, it was Transjordan, wasn't it? So if anyone should take them, it's them. And their king came out and went, no, I will take zero. Thank you very much. 
I mean, I do actually just love this. That they're they're really doing the Poland meme. So that's the Arab world. Um, meanwhile, we in the West apparently have to pay our own zakat, which is taking infinity refugees who uh, apparently are a threat to Israel, but totally not a threat to us. But anyway, that's the McDonald's proxy war, which is jolly good fun, if nothing else. I suppose we'll move on. Yeah. We should, but we're not really, actually, because this is going to be very relevant to what you were just talking about, because in the interests of protecting those, those poor, innocent uh, terrorists who are such a danger to people over in Israel, but are perfectly harmless and sweet little baby angels who didn't do nothing when we get over here, um, it, Europe has been enforcing their new Digital Service Act laws that are going to criminalize even more speech in an even more arbitrary and bureaucratic way, as everybody was clamoring for. I, I, I know in the office, I was just thinking to myself, God, if only Europe could enforce more speech laws. I can't wait. I, I was just disgusted at how free the Germans are. <laughs> Unbearable, the amount of freedom I know. they have. I know, it's absolutely terrible. Germany, you should be ashamed of yourself. Uh, I'll get into it in a moment, but we've got videos on the website. As always, this is one that you did with Josh on Josh's series Contemplations, talking about the paradox of to uh, tolerance, uh, which was Karl Popper's idea, which has been represented and misrepresented and then represented and misrepresented constantly in online discussions, mainly from two memes which I've seen, which combat one yep. another on Twitter posts. And I've not read Open Society and its enemies. I own it, but it's a very big book and I don't have time to read all of that. So explain it to me properly, Stelios. Uh, we, we need, we need uh, more time for this, but definitely give this uh, conversation a watch. And we're talking about uh, the idea that, you know, there is a sort of paradox of tolerance that if you are supposed to be tolerant, you have to tolerate the intolerant. But uh, we are talking about how this isn't so much really a paradox and th that you can definitely make a case for drawing the line somewhere and saying that there are some things that you will not tolerate. Because yes. a lot of the times, a lot of the questions are phrased in an either-or manner, either 100% tolerance or 0% tolerance. If you phrase it in terms of degrees, you, you have completely different answers. You could say that, well, there is a level of toleration that is desirable for a society, but there are some very clear-cut limits. Well, whenever I've seen the memes trotted out online, it always seems to be in favor of supporting leftist repressive tolerance. The more Marcusean idea of, I have defined you as the bad guy, and given that you have now been designated the bad guy, I have the right to treat you like the bad guy and yeah, punch you in the face yeah. and tell you that you're not allowed to say things. So that's the way I always see it trotted out. You seem to have a thought on this? No, well, who could argue with that? I know. Who, who could argue, Callum? Well, no, not you, actually, because I've designated you the bad guy. Fair enough. And therefore... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and uh, on repressive tolerance, well, that just seems to be exactly what the latest Orwellian internet censorship regime is, as, as stated by the European Conservative. Now, this all passed. I don't know if we've already spoken about it in any great detail, but it all passed back in August, or at least this bill went into effect on August 25th. And I'll read some of this article just to give you an idea of what it covers, what, how it's implemented, and then I'll give you some examples of how in the interests of defending people from disinformation and misinformation online as coming out of the Israel-Palestine conflict, because if there's one thing that we can be sure of, despite the fog of war and the fact that 
every single take I see on Israel-Palestine coming from the online circles is contradictory to one another because honestly, you could, for most people in the West, you could probably take a video of two vaguely brown looking men in a desert fighting one another and point to it and say, this is what's going on in Gaza right now. And it doesn't have to be from now, doesn't have to be from the area that they say it is. Most people won't know the difference because it's just a lot of online information. There's a lot of visual and informational noise. Despite that, I know that our overlords in the European Union and the European Commission can designate exactly what is honest, what is false, what is correct information, and what is misinformation and regulate it accordingly. Uh, do you trust our benevolent overlords to do no, such a thing? No, and I no, didn't I about I. this, and you, you were with me. No. Um, I trust them implicitly. <laughs> yeah. So, I know I know for one yeah, person who only has my best intentions in mind. Yeah. Thank I'm you. sure. Thank you, EU. And so, not only her, but also Thierry Breton, who I, yeah, he's the one he who wasn't elected by anyone. N- but somehow he, he talks about you know what should democratic be said values. and what shouldn't. Yeah. Yeah, democratic values as given to you by unelected bureaucrats. Yeah. Don't you love the modern world? August 25th, the Digital Service Act for the European Union, which passed last year, came into force. Among other things, it obliges large online platforms to swiftly take down illegal content, hate speech, and so-called disinformation, aiming, in the words of the European Commission, President Ursula von der Leyen, to ensure that the online environment remains a safe space, to make sure that we have a nice big hug box for everybody who might feel remotely slighted, and we can have care blankets at ready for everybody. But not safe for the natives. No, no, of course not. Well, we'll get into that. Very large online platforms, which we will abbreviate here to VLOPs, with uh, more than 45 million monthly active users must abide by the rules from the Friday passing from the August 25th. Smaller platforms have until February to comply. So this will eventually fall under everybody, just not quite yet. What do you mean by that? Like it'll fall under all companies or outside the EU as well? is probably just vague enough, well, not outside of the EU, but Yet. if all of these organizations begin to implement compliance departments so that they're able to comply with the EU laws, it will de facto be the same compliance for everybody else oh, as well. God. What do you want to bet as well, the people at Facebook, Twitter, etc.? Not to be too rude, but probably can't even remember that the UK's left the EU and will just make the European department and just put us all in. Probably. Well, I know that I have my own criticisms of him, but Elon Musk will probably... And, and is already kind of being a bit coy about trying to comply with this. But you, well, know, you know for a fact that somebody like Mark Zuckerberg and other big tech, organi- uh, big tech company heads are going to be falling head over heels in their, de- in their desire to show how much and how willing they are to comply with these sorts of regulations because they desperately want to be able to comply with this sort of censorship, really. Designated by the commission back in April, the 19 VLOPs, include all the big names, Google, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, slash X, YouTube, and Amazon, as well as smaller fries. <laughs> Imagine getting designated smaller fry, like Wikipedia, LinkedIn, and Snapchat. Vlops will fund a permanent European Commission task force on disinformation of some t- uh, 230 staff paying an annual supervisory fee of up to 0.05% of their revenue, which given the size of these organizations, will still be a lot of money. And I don't, don't you love that, that we have a task force dedicated to basically censoring your platform and you've yeah. got to pay for it. 
Mexico has to build, we have to get, uh, get the money from Mexico to build the wall. Um, VLOPS must also publish an annual risk assessment due on Friday and act diligently to remove unapproved content. If VLOPS fail to comply with these dictates, they can be fined up to 6% of their annual global revenue, which is not anything to be sniffed at. Or they can be subjected to an investigation by the commission and potentially even be prevented from operating in the EU altogether. Which, for something like Twitter, might be a more attractive proposal, given that Elon has said that he wants to be able to have it as being a free speech platform. Interesting as well that all of this passed after he purchased it and said that he wanted it to be a free speech platform. Yada, yada, yada. In June, EU Digital Commissioner Stelios' favorite, Thierry Breton, who dubbed himself the Enforcer, far too cool a name for a bespectacled bureaucrat, traveled to Silicon Valley to ram the point home. He met with Elon Musk to stress test DSA compliance, as well as other tech bosses, including Mark, uh, Meta CEO Mark Zuckerberg. Once again, a lot of these people are probably going to be falling over themselves to comply. Imagine being in a, on a meeting where they have the, their names and tags. Imagine having, you know, Enforcer under your name. Except, except you're, a, you're an EU bureaucrat. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's just, it, does, it doesn't work. It doesn't work. Uh, he, he does strike me as the kind of person who would do it somehow. He would li- love to have the enforcer under his name. He like imagine a tag or something. When he looks in the mirror, he sees Terminator Arnold Schwarzenegger. Yeah. Yeah, no. On top of this day-to-day censorship, DSA has a built-in crisis management mechanism whereby in terms of extraordinary crisis, the commission can immediately oblige platforms to remove content. A crisis is defined as an objective risk of serious prejudice to public security or public health in the union or significant parts thereof. So it's just a a, a regime-proved kill switch. You have said you've got something on your platform or a subject is being spoken about on your platform the regime does not approve of. Shut it down. Shut it down. Like that. <laughs> well, that's the, the enforcer there. Yeah, that's his own little microphone. <laughs> that's the enforcer on his little walkie-talkie to Mark Zuckerberg. Shut it down. That's exactly how it's... Someone is saying something bad about the EU. (laughs) (laughs) Last year's strengthened code of practice on disinformation defines disinformation as false or misleading content that spread with an intent to deceive or secure economic or political gain, which may cause public harm. Nice, big, vague, gray terms that anybody can use post hoc for anything that they want it to mean. European Digital Media Observatory, an EU-funded fact-checking hub, so we, we have the Stasi enforcers of the European Union, the Digital Ministry of Truth right here, which aim to identify disinformation, uproot sources, or dilute its impact, uh, claims to be independent and impartial, because they all do, is essentially the EU's answer to Big Brother, according to the European Conservative. Launched by the Commission in June 2020 with a budget of 13.5 million euros to be expanded exponentially as and when needed, I'm sure, It compiles reports on internet discourse across the EU. These include regular fact-checking briefs, disinformation reports for specific countries, and early warnings on predicted disinformation trends. The better to pre-bunk them. Oh boy, are you ready to be pre-bunked, boys? Never mind being debunked. You're going to get pre-bunked. You're going to get pre-bunked. And it's getting weirdly sexual. Can do about it. It, it, it honestly does. It is like bend over for the EU digital ministry. The enforcer is going to ram himself in and get debunked you. Yep. No yeah. lube. Um, yeah, it's the process of exposing lies before they strike. So they're saying they can, they can read your soul 
They can yeah. read your mind. I can see that if you're you're planning on spreading misinformation, aren't you? You're I mean, planning on they... disinforming people, yeah. aren't you? I mean, this is a digital manifestation of of identity politics because it, it's there are some people who are wrong by default. It's it's, it's hilarious. So that, I, that's exactly it. I hate to say it. if you are uh, if you are a member of a certain demographic, for instance, you're by default wrong. Yeah, if, if you're oh. if you're a native of a European country, yeah. sticking up Concerned your own about identity the... using facts relating to that. Yeah. Uh, well, I'm sorry that you need you need to be pre-bunked harshly and with serious effectiveness. Yeah. This I, I don't mean to use cliches, but it really is. You're hiding disinformation under your floorboards, aren't you? That's, in that's in, really in, this, skull, this, in this little skull of yours. Yeah. No. no. <laughs> <laughs> so you have nothing to hide, sir. Beat my crab statistics alone. <laughs> no. Oh no. Uh, it's 2023 briefing on disinformation in Ireland. So this is an example the European Commission, uh, the European Conservative highlighted here. Um, has uh, they, The EDMO monitors 12 online platforms in Ireland on a regular basis, both mainstream platforms like Twitter, WhatsApp, and YouTube, and the less restricted platforms like Getter, Telegram, and Odyssey. The briefing lists numerous disinformation trends it's observed in Ireland, which are said to cause harm. These include. Can I can before I actually list them out? Do you want to do you want to give a guess? So there's three of them. I can. Any of these break the YouTube terms of service. Um, I, uh, as as long as you're nice and vague and general about how you describe. Oh, them. good. <laughs> well, are you gonna are uh, you gonna give it a guess? Ah, bugger. How Let's have I, some fun here. Well, now I've got to figure out how to word it when I game back. The, the world is collapsing. We might as well do it with mm. a smile on our face. Do they think the Elections are a good thing. Is that uh, no, that's enough? not that, that's that's not one of the that's not one of the three that's listed here. Do you even know what I'm talking about at that point? I know exactly what you're talking about okay. there. You're talking about how every single American election has it's been perfect. Is perfect yeah. No corruption ever in the history of that's America. Not listed, okay. Well, that's not that's not one of the examples. Criticizing the EU, is that disinformation? Uh, probably. I mean, whatever's dis disinformation is whatever they say it is. No, what's listed here is nativist narratives. There will be criticism of the E, though. Which uh, oppose migration, such as the hashtag Ireland is full. Or, <laughs> or, or, or the slogan, make Ireland safe. Or prominent That's use right. of the Irish tricolour. So just, just too yeah. much so, white, orange, and green. I agree. Let's ban the IRA. <laughs> Excuse me. So l let me get this straight because, okay, oh, I, I know about this, but I want to put the the other thing in perspective. You have uh, someone like the president of France, okay, that is one of the major powers within the EU, yep. saying that ultimately you cannot protect um, Europe from terrorists. Why? Because we refuse to, damn it. That which is the uh, European. He, he said something of the sort. Result. He said something of the sort. And uh, Thierry Breton is going to come along and say basically that if you say that any kind of country within the EU is not safe, constitutes hate speech, or constitutes harmful content, yeah, to whom? Hang on, hang on. I have actually, I've, I've just thought about this. I endorse this change immensely now. All right, go on. Because what is going to happen is if you're telling me the, the prominent use of the Irish tricolor flag or any pro-Irish sentiment is going to be suppressed by the EU. We've been down that road. Good bloody luck trying to deal with the Irish. Because frankly, if they all start, you know, doing what they did to us, but to you, 
But they won't, though. I was going to laugh. The, the, the Irish will to fight is uniquely strong against Anglos. Well, if that's the case, they're a bunch of pussies and deserve it. Otherwise, the Irish will to fight in the political, like, Sinn Féin uh, circles is just nothing. Because they, they, they're more than happy to allow third world migration into the country. What's Gaelic for death to the EU, and that could be the new uh, party. Well, I mean, if you want to give it a try. But the other ones are, of course, over and find it. gender and sexuality narratives and environment narratives. So those are all going to be things that under this are going to be criminalized. And it goes on to finish here. Though legally speaking, the DSA only applies in the EU once inside, inside, uh, installed inside big tech firms. Vast content regulation apparatus will surely affect users in the rest of the world too, which is yeah. something that anybody can see coming whenever legislation like this gets put through. Sorry. What are you doing? Translating the new name of my political party. Uh, go on. Uh, Bastonet. Bastonet? Yeah. That sounds French. Yeah, but apparently Irish is weirdly French sound. I think you got to say it with an Irish accent. I can't Fair play. But, you know, this has been yeah. implemented now as of the 25th of August. These large, the, the VLOPs have to take care to abide by all of these new rules and regulations. And as such, with all of the information, and I'm not even going to call it misinformation or disinformation, because when it comes to Israel-Palestine, who bloody knows at this point? Really, if you go online, you will get so many different perspectives going around of what it is. And you have the fog of war right now where all of the information is going to be biased in one way or the other. Who knows what's information and disinformation, except for the EU, except for Ursula von der Leyen, who knows exactly what's going on. And this was from a speech today where she was addressing the, uh, the European Union uh, regarding the explosion that happened at the Gaza uh, hospital yeah. that happened last night, I believe. She knows the truth. She knows the truth. She knows the truth. You know, I heard at first that it was by the IDF, and then I heard it was by some kind of Hamas te- uh, rebel who decided to bomb his own hospital. Um, I mean, I don't... Sorry to laugh, but what, that's some four-line stuff right there. I mean, maybe. <laughs> we I bombed the know. hospital, radicalized the moderates. Yeah, I mean, I literally... The cripples will rise up. <laughs> <laughs> Terminally ill will rise. <laughs> the cancer patients in defense. Well, oh, that's a good argument, actually, for suicide. No, I'm not going no, to... No, no, no. Let's not give right. anybody any ideas. Come on. No. I don't want to don't escalate the conflict. No. Nope. Yeah, you heard that. And then what did you hear? Well, I just I just heard that it was one side's fault. Then I heard it was the other side's fault. And who knows? I'm not there. Most of the people reporting on it who are there are going to be on one side or the other and going to have incentives to say it was one side or the other. It's so difficult to be able to tell. Yeah. It's one of the reasons that I try and stay away from talking about these things. Because at the moment, whatever you say... You know, four or five months down the line, you'll end up looking like an idiot. But Ursula von der Leyen and her cronies, thankfully, have the, they've got the good info. They know exactly what's going on. They know everything on the ground. Because she just says in here, thirdly, uh, we're seeing a rise in anti-Semitic incidents in Europe as a result of all of these conflicts going on. She doesn't specify who's committing these anti-Semitic incidences, so I can only assume it's um, Irishman. Uh, synagogue, synagogues have been vandalized. Hate speech and fake news are spreading at worrying speed. IRA at work again. I know. And this is something that we simply cannot accept. It's our shared responsibility to make sure that our dark past does not return. Never again. Never again. We have to protect Jewish life in Europe. She didn't shout never again, but it's... Oh, the internal impl- German. It's the implication behind all of this, isn't it? No, but I love the idea that you're speaking for the whole EU here, such a broad place. Like you've got the Irish being told that their dark past can't come back. And they're like, 
You weren't even in the war. Yep. Sorry. The neutral countries, they their dark past as well. The countries that harbored refugees, their dark past as well. Uh, harboring refugees. <laughs> yeah. Let me also say something that in uh, in Ireland, the particular hate speech laws are particularly bad because they they're focusing not just on the possession, not just on the dissemination of content that is deemed hateful, but also on the possession, which raises all sorts of other questions. Like, how do you know? Is, these are the sort how do how do you know whether I possess hateful content? These are the sorts of laws where it's if you have a spicy meme on your phone, you can yeah get yeah that, that's exactly it. it. Yeah, it it's, sounds ridiculous, but no, that's that's yeah. ironically the truth. Yeah. So you asked why I remember the other day you asked why I had two phones, and one of the reasons is because it's a travel phone. And obviously, you get worried about the foreign country you're going to. That's a good point. Finding stuff. But unironically, you, you have a burner phone for memes. Sincerely, one of the things I'm really worried about is if I go through a British um, airport and the police decide to search my phone, like they're going to find some memes. And they're, they're not all that fun for them. So that's, that's a good idea to also have a burner phone. I uh, have to go and return some videotapes. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Well, uh, that's something for me to consider after this. Why have you got Pepe memes on videotapes? <laughs> the most secure. <laughs> Nobody can go back and erase my videotapes. They never check the VHS, do they? <laughs> You've got Pepe tapes on VHS <laughs> under your bed, don't you, Mr. Robinson? No, no, start sweating. Oh, God. So uh, she carries on. In these years, we have to put the fight against anti-Semitism and all hate crimes at the heart of our action. Thanks to our collective work on the Digital Services Act, let's give ourselves a nice pat on the back for that now, we can weaponize another piece of legislation against our political foes. We now have laws to take down illegal content online and contain the spread of disinformation. And we are now using them for the first time ever. We've already launched an investigation in relation to X, previously known as Twitter. They must comply with the obligation to counter the spread of terrorist propaganda and hate speech. Because in Europe, there is no place in zero tolerance for hate, whether online or in our streets, depending on the paleness of the skin of the person you're being hateful towards. We've already increased EU funding for the protection of places of worship, such as synagogues. So they're joining in with uh, McDonald's in funding their political allies. And at the beginning of the mandate, we propose to add hate crimes and hate speech to the list of EU crimes. Wait, does this mean that the EU actually is now at odds with the Arab McDonald's branches? Mm. Callum, I'm I'm not sure. I I guess so. Are they going to have to start prescribing McDonald's? I guess we'll see. At the beginning of the mandate, we propose to add hate crimes and hate speech to the list of EU crimes. Of course, that must be sanctioned across uh, at all across our union. Our proposal is still blocked by some member states, but it cannot wait any longer. It's our time now for member states to act and move on. Just do it. Just do it. If you're standing against our laws, just do it. The march of progress is inevitable and always ends up going in the direction that we're already heading in. So you just do it. Do it and forget. This is liberalism. This is progressivism. This is just what we do now. Who cares about having your own standards you apply to ours? And let me just say one thing here, because um, they are trying to claim the status of being a high trust uh, organization. And yeah, a lot high, of the, high trust societies don't have to make speech illegal for the most part. Yeah, so that, that's the issue. And also, when you have high trust societies, you have a failure of vigilance on the part of the people. You need that in order to check power from becoming tyrannical. And one of the first things that, that aspiring tyrants want, want to do is to control information. 
Do you want to? Do you want to hear my favorite line from this speech? Because this is genuinely Orwellian. War is peace. Freedom is slavery. Ignorance is strength. I have the impression the, that I don't want to hear it, but also I have no choice. This is going to be uh, okay. We must make good on Europe's promise to be united in diversity. Yeah. What else? Incredible. Honestly. United in diversity. Of what? Want... Diversity of what? Oh, right. John, merch idea. <laughs> That's genius. Yeah, there, there we go. We can make some... Thank you, Ursula, because we can make some money off of that one. Yeah, and like I said, and she said in the speech, this is already being used to target Elon Musk and Twitter, because the second you get a law like this, what's the first thing it's going to be used for? Why it's going to be targeting your political opponents, people who don't adhere to the same standards that you do, because you are all-knowing, you are all-wise, congratulations, you're big brain, you can never do any wrong. So they issued the warning, this, according to this article, but this article is from a, uh, just a week ago now, so this has got some information in here regarding the interaction. Obviously, now that they've launched the investigation into it. Um, so the information, which is supposedly disinformation, about the Hamas attack on Israel was fake news and repurposed old images on X. If Musk, the owner of X, does not comply, he can get his fine of 6% of his revenues from X or a total blackout in the EU. I'd just take that at this point. I just, I just, if I was Elon, I'd just say, well, I don't need the EU. Goodbye. Well, John's actually sent me the interaction itself. We managed to find out. I don't know if we can get it on screen. The link. Oh, yeah, get it on screen because that'd be, that'd be easier. Because what happened is the European Commissioner posted a tweet with a letter being like, oh, Elon Musk is letting fake yep. news spread. That's what they're describing in this article. And um, Elon just responded saying, oh, hello. Um, just tell us what it is. And then she responds by saying, oh, well, we're happy to talk to you in private. And he just responds, we take our actions in the open, no backroom deals. Please post your concerns. And then she just doesn't. Yeah. So, yeah, uh, if I, the, the, the line that was in the article was um, up to you to demonstrate that you walk the talk. But then he asks her, please post it publicly what you're actually talking about. And she just doesn't. And then she just goes away. I mean, I do love how that's such a put down. I saw you, I'm sure you saw it with Pierre all, all, Oliver. All, yeah. All I have to do is ask you, can you be clear and transparent about this in public? And they go scurrying off like rats. Silence. Some people would say this. Well, can you name them? Well, no. <laughs> we wasted my time for that. Yeah. Uh, some people also say you've spread disinformation. Can you provide examples of this dis disinformation and how it's directly related to my actions in any way? Also, who are these people? Yeah. No, I cannot. Can you tell me how it is that you're so sure of yourself that you know exactly what is the correct information in this newly kick-started aggression between Israel and Palestine with all of the information that's coming out of it right now? No, you cannot. But we've passed this law that says we can punish you for it anyway. So that's what we're going to do. Because that's what the modern world is now, is unelected bureaucrats creating legislation that says, screw you. And if you say, for what? They have literally no answer. <laughs> uh, and, and yeah, that's what's going on in Europe at the moment. Um, I hate it, but I'm glad we're not part of the EU. Although we've got our own online safety bill. So it's just an all-out assault on any political dissident. I suppose that we'll move to the last segment. Okay, so I want to say basically that I was thinking that there should be an award for the most outlandish statement of the day. I think every day. United in Diversity is a pretty good one. Yeah, so th that's a good candidate. I have uh, two ones for two candidates for the 12th of October and another candidate for the 17th of October. 
And also there's another award that I think we should uh, uh, give to people. It's the, uh, the double standard statement of the week or of the day, you know, whatever. I mean, it's, it's a good thing. The Orwellian double speak award. Yes, exactly. That, that's something that uh, should definitely be... Once again, I don't, I don't think we're going to... Feel free to prove me wrong, but I don't think Ursula von der Leyen's getting beaten today. Let's see. Okay, so uh, for the 12th of October, I will talk about what Aaron Bastani said uh, when he quote-tweeted David Atherton, one of the statements by David Atherton. But I just want to, to give a prologue there. There are just some people who never learn. They just want to say their piece. And I have heard that, uh, personally speaking, he's very, um, he's good and all this, but... Interpersonally, uh, we know people who've interacted yeah. with him. Connor's been on GV News with him. Interpersonally, supposedly, yeah. he's a, a decent guy. Yeah, so uh, so I'm not going to judge the person. I'm going to judge the statement. And uh, to a degree, there is a judgment of the person there, concealed, but you know, <laughs> I mean, it's just... That's it. So... Um, David Atherton uh, posted a video about uh, someone in, uh, yeah, at uh, Hyde Park saying basically that any person of another religion, I hate you in the name of my God. Yeah, if we were at war, I would chop your head off. So uh, let's move upwards a bit. Like so you can tell it's such like an angry child, though, and you could go up to him and be like, wow, so original. Yeah, so. Um, I don't know. It's just this kind of religious hatred seems to me to be religious hatred and not something to be explained in a Marxist sense that somehow economic conditions must come into it. Yeah, the, so, the material <laughs> explanation is going to do a lot of stretching to try and explain this one. Yeah, so let's see here what uh, Aaron Bastani wrote. He says, this is a disgusting video, but it's a failure of, of liberalism rather than multiculturalism, something so nebulous that I find the debate stupid. Well, we're going to talk about that. He says, we inhabit a shared space, a shared national community. That doesn't mean you agree on everything, quite the opposite, but it does mean you have obligations to your fellow citizens and your society, which are economic and social, like paying tax, looking after your neighbors, ensuring a minimal welfare threshold for all. This should be natural ground for labor. That's because its premise is that there is such a thing as I, I love, society. I love obligations are just being a communist. You're so right, though, Stelios. Just yeah. like, man, if only had, he had minimum welfare benefits. Yeah. They're, they're, Where were the youth clubs for this poor, neglected young boy? It says, if only he had UBI, he wouldn't be killing. <laughs> God. If only we have a UBI and the McDonald's burger. Yeah. With a Big Mac. Or oh, you something. know what's doubly funny about that? It's because yeah. you're a Saudi citizen. Basically, you do have UBI because you're so bloody yeah. rich because of the state handouts. Yeah. And then the most like religiously hating people on earth. Uh, it's false consciousness. Somehow, the Marxist uh, <laughs> superstructure and substructure explanation has to come in. It has to be economic. Yeah. And, and you haven't that, understood something. I mean, Callum. let's not forget as well that 100 years ago, 100 plus years ago, when we had much less material welfare for people, economics, you know, we didn't have all of the comforts that we have today, but we're just a more homogenous country. We didn't have any of this. Well, the murder rate was half. The, the, I think it was less than half, wasn't it? Yeah, probably right. Yeah, the, the murder rate was half. The overall arrest rate was vastly, vastly lower. Uh, so maybe material comforts aren't the only thing. 
Let me continue. She says, the right-wing libertarians have that completely and utterly wrong. And while they bash the left, this video is what happens when you think people's ties and obligations to one another are purely economic. That's a contradiction, though, because surely he's saying that, yes, people's ties and obligations are purely economic, that we just need to improve them. And well, then people yeah, there are better. economic and social. But the, the main question is, and this is what a lot of the multiculturalists uh, say, it, it has to do, uh, it concerns who do you extend uh, the goods to? So, for instance, who do you think should be the recipient of the state's benefits? And ultimately, their answer is the whole world. That is why, for instance, whenever there is some a problem in the world anywhere, um, Western governments they just say, okay, yeah, we're gonna fix it, and we are gonna give the state, we are gonna use the state, we're gonna basically do a leveling down when it comes to the to the native people. We're going to, but and this it's is weird because hubris when you consider it like that, isn't it? This idea, yeah. this crusading idea yeah. that we can solve the whole world if we just yeah. put our minds to it. Yeah, but th that is also another weird thing because, and, and another double standard here because. You could say that, for instance, it is part and parcel of patriotism to think that you do have extra obligations to support, let's say, the, the dominant culture of your country and the people of your country. Yeah. Uh, so, but, but somehow, the people who are uh, in favor of unrestricted multiculturalism and they purposefully do not define it, they think that patriotism is atavistic and that you do have to basically think, uh, give preference to the abstract human. That is what we mean when we're criticizing the abstract human. Yeah, the interesting it's, thing is yeah. that I, I, I'm not a, a libertarian anymore, but I do agree with a lot of the libertarian arguments against the welfare state being you know, completely mismanaged, a terrible use of resources. Uh, but one of the things that you'll find from people like Rothbard and other libertarians when they're discussing well, what happens with people whose welfare is you know, absolutely terrible people who don't have any leg to stand on financially, who are really living in the gutter. Uh, and you can just bring up examples of, well, before we had the gigantic state, the welfare state, you had more localized charity being mainly operated by churches. Yeah, like and you, civil society. You, you had Christian churches and more localized charity being given to people on a personal basis because these are your neighbors. These are the people yeah. you live with. You want to live in a good, cohesive, and homogenous community, so you help one another in that way. Whereas the state being so impersonal and so gigantic and so bureaucratic always comes in and messes it up in some way. For instance, re most recently by offering it to literally anybody and everyone who shows up on the doorstep of the nation. Yeah, and just think of it this way. For instance, things like keeping your front porch clean and your neighborhood clean. Uh, before people pay tax for for cleaners, okay, for you know, for doing this publicly, they cleaned their own porch and they looked after their own neighborhood. So the idea is, give us money, and you have foregone all your responsibilities as a citizen to to do to do anything else. Your sole responsibility is to pay taxes, and we are going to do all the rest. And that's not a good idea uh, image of civil society. Now let's go to the next candidate. Just for one moment, Callum, you looked like you had a few things to interject as we were discussing that. No, I was just some of the chat was sexually harassing me, which is a whole other conversation. All right, moving on. Uh, that's also is that a civil society initiative or is it a state funded initiative? Something we have to put down or the the kind of no, this is localized harassment. Our own this chat. Isn't state harassment. 
No, it was like three okay, guys. Okay, so that's, that shows how vibrant civil society can be. Yeah. <laughs> okay. This is the diversity that we want. Exactly. Truly, diversity does unify okay. us. Okay, now, another candidate for outlandish <laughs> statement of the day for the 17th of October. Uh, Gabby Hinsliff, she says, the British hard right will exploit this war to claim multiculturalism has failed. They are wrong. And let me What's just this? say... Like, where, where's the multiculturalism between Palestine and Israel? And let me just say what she says here. You're going to have to prove your statements. She says, because uh, she also criticizes Nick. She says, already the British hard right is seizing on images of pro-Palestinian rallies across Europe. That's you, Callum. Or diatribes by wannabe student politicians to proclaim the supposed grand failure of multiculturalism. My God, Callum, you're a British hard right wannabe student politician. How do you feel? You're getting called out directly by The Guardian. They're upgraded. (laughs) (laughs) Or the idea that society is enriched by different groups being able to maintain their own religious and cultural traditions within the conflict of the law. What price that richness now, they sneer. To see anyone celebrating murder is obviously horrifying, yet so, in its way, is some of what this ghoulishness unleashes in return. Where's, uh, where's the proof for any of the statements that she's making? Because she's obviously arguing the contrary. Does she need to? To the British hard right. Does she need, do you need to have proof if you're a leftist? Uh, <laughs> What's, this, this is disinformation. <laughs> Hate speech. This is uh, insolent. This video has already been banned in the EU. Yeah, okay. And I think so, that's getting an award for the most based conversation. Sorry, line today. That's good. Do you need proof if you're a leftist? No. <laughs> okay. So, oh my God, Nick Buckley's yeah, being yeah, she, called out. She, she had the nerve to speak ill of Nick, and I take personal issue Nick's with such it. a nice guy. He's so, a sweetheart. Leave Nick alone. So, open quotes. This is where multiculturalism leads. Civil war. We cannot have different people with different cultures living side by side without conflict. Close quote. Tweeted Nick Buckley. Self-styled, independent candidate for Manchester's next mayor. Now, I want to say, Nick is right. Obviously right. Is obviously right. Yeah. And I want to say something here because we have to pose some questions. And I kind of posed them in the previous segment we did last week, but I think they're important and need to be uh, said again. That, uh, first of all, I'm not a supporter of the extreme right wing. I mean, I've, I've said so, okay? But I do think that the way that this uh, uh, author is using the, uh, the term is basically, basically means people who disagree with me. It's nebulous and mean. It's completely nebulous. It, but it's I, there to just provoke an yeah, emotional So reaction. I want to say, though, that there are some perfectly legitimate questions that need to be asked about multiculturalism and diversity because because precisely it is so nebulous and last time i checked you cannot talk about western societies and rational societies and the value of public discussion without saying that there is value in using our reason in order to uh, subject power into scrutiny and to rational Criticism. So what I wanted to say here is that when we're talking about multiculturalism, what do we mean? When we're talking about diversity, diversity of what exactly? Because obviously when you have laws and you're saying that some people, for instance, when they break some particular laws uh, should be behind bars, you don't respect everything. There are limits to what you're respecting. So now let me let me just say Uh, This does show that uh, the idea of multiculturalism in the abstract is something that no one accepts, especially in practice. They don't accept it. That is why it's diversity for me, but not for thee. 
that's the principle of of their action. That well, when we when we say culture, yeah. I think what is culture at the base yes. level? Culture beyond any grander uh, descri uh, description you could have of it is just an aggregate aggregate preference for a mode of being, a, yeah. a, pr a preference of behavior adopted by a majority of people. So if you just have it like that. It's the majority behavior of different peoples. If you have one people living next door to another people, and the way that these two peoples behave is not only uh, not the same as one another, but actively contradictory of one another, obviously you're going to get conflict. Well, that's yeah, just, and that's just there's a question with the how the idea of majority comes into it, because personally I think that there needs to be a dominant culture, because if there is no dominant culture within a country, people do not get the, let's say, cultural impetus to defend their institutions. You have, you have no culture at all. You've just got chaos. Yes. So I would say that a culture is, you could say it is a way of life. It involves patterns of sentiment, actions, and institutions. And there are clearly some cultures that are not compatible. For instance, let me give you an example. A culture that allegedly uh, gives rights to individual people is not compatible with a culture that practices sacrifice to please, let's say, pagan deities. Th these are incompatible cultures. Controversial take there. <laughs> I do need evidence for that, though. Oh, yeah, yeah, good, good yeah. point. So, no, uh, what I'm pointing out is that it is absolutely obvious that not every culture is compatible with every other culture. So we should impose this question, and we should constantly pose this question. Now, she is continue the, the she continues the article here, and she after she mentions Hamza Yusuf in Scotland and Sadiq Khan in London, she says these oh. things too are multiculturalism in action, and so is the sound of British. Yeah, they, are. they lead to conflict. Wait, so, so she's literally using is what she could have used Rishi Sunak as well. Examples of airdropped in. Foreign leaders yeah, yeah. In, in, in countries and cities is an example. Oh, because we've had these people imposed on us, because the, because the streets haven't erupted into fiery chaos yet, that means multiculturalism yeah. succeeds. Hums is the only one that's even elected there. And he was only elected by the SNP members. Yeah. That's correct. Yeah. Anyway, so I want to say. Uh, well, Sadiq Khan has been elected, but I mean, he imported his own electorate in. Well, I have to say also that the uh, the way she ends the article is just amazing, especially coming from a leftist. She says, a politics that fuels division and hate leads us ultimately to fragmentation. But in a flexibility, our fluidity lies Britain's national strength. We will need it in the days to come. So honestly, just the identitarian leftists, they have the nerve to literally say, that a politics that fuels division and hate leads to fragmentation. They're doing it. They're doing it. Well, I hate that statement at the best of times. Yeah. Identitary left politics are definitely built on hate. It's the only thing it could all, be built on. All of it is just, uh, I, everything is interpreted in terms of Western man, Western white man as the oppressor and everyone else the oppressed. Sure. Like the modern day identitarian left entirely. But even yeah. the old left was entirely fueled by hate of rich people. Yeah. It was never about helping the poor. Yeah. But also just that statement, just as a, I know it's going to be a bit of a weird thing, but the idea that a politics that fuels division, that statement doesn't mean anything. All politics All, is yeah. division. Exactly. Yeah. It's your side versus my side. Yeah.
Anyway, so um, let me just uh, let us just move to the next point here. So I want to I want us to watch this video, please. Just a part of the question on the issues of refugees coming to Jordan, and I think I can quite strongly speak on behalf not only of um, 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 uh, Jordan as a nation, but of uh, our friends in Egypt. That is a red line. Uh, because I think that is the plan by certain of the usual suspects to try and create de facto issues on the ground. No refugees in Jordan, no refugees in Egypt. Okay, so that's the king of Jordan. He's talking about the he's talking about the refu refugees from Palestine. He is closing the borders. He's also talking about Egypt as closing the borders. So the question is, when, for instance, we have uh, things like that. Would you expect people like, would you expect people to, uh, in the West, to say what? D do they have to just, anything that, wrong that happens in the West has, in the world has to be solved from people from the West. And what he said, something, he says, there, he says no on the grounds that accepting extra refugees from Palestine will try to create de facto problems on the ground. So basically what he's talking about, he's talking about hybrid warfare. Now, uh, and the possibility of it. Also, if you just import a load of these people and they'll define their own identity through the division between their identity and the other people's identity, and yeah. will therefore it will create a whole new branch of identity politics that Jordan doesn't want. Yes. Well, correct me if I'm wrong, I don't really know what hybrid warfare means. So yep. It's stupid, but one of the things that I've seen in the Arab world, the reason they don't want Palestine, you know, refugees coming out, is because in their mind, as soon as Arabs leave this territory, the Jews will just move some people in, and then there's just more land that they've lost. That's their primary concern. Well, uh, this is a very complex question to deal with right now. I don't have incredibly good answers to give you about why they do not do this right now. But the problem is, and it, you could say that what a lot of them are doing, is that they are saying that if Europe shows weakness, in that it shows a lack of willingness to protect its borders, and we are saying our borders are closed, they will go to Europe. That's perfectly fair. Because, yeah, so, and hybrid warfare, you could say that, you could say that there are some dangers when, for instance, there are mass movements of people going to different places that could be used in the future for for bad purposes, let's say. Now, if you want to uh, support us and find a bit more about warfare, you could just visit the website and check this uh, Symposium 37 we did with uh, Bo and Carl. We're talking about Machiavelli's view on war, leadership, and conspiracies. And by conspiracies, he means uh, assassination plots. We're talking about discourses on Livy. And just with five pounds a month, you can gain access to all our premium content and watch all our lovely series. Now, back to this, let's see what Hamza Youssef said. In a, in a way, you, you mentioned this before. He went out and he said, in the past, people in Scotland and across the UK have opened our hearts and our homes. Scotland is ready to play her part, to be the first country in the UK to offer safety and sanctuary to the people of Gaza. Gazans have always lived here for centuries. To, yeah, to treat the injured men, women, and children where we can. 
Anyway, so uh, we get the the clip of him falling off of that little scooter, or just on repeat. Can we get that up, please? <laughs> no, that's a personal favorite of yours. <laughs> yeah, I love that clip. Yeah, so basically, I want to say that uh, Europe is facing some dangers, uh, and I will say this now that I will be able to say it. Okay, because according to Thierry Breton, I'm spreading hatred. I think that, for instance, when you see things like that that happened today, eight major French airports evacuated and flights granted after bomb threats. It was the Israeli population of France that suspected of doing that, I believe. Well, you had things like that. Now let's see also Palace of Versailles evacuated again in security scare with France on heightened alert against attacks. Or Jewish terrorists. We also have stuff on Irish, the, I heard. Yeah, we also have stuff on the Louvre and and uh, I think that Just basically France in general, the whole country constantly living like it's about to be a lot harder. Yeah. So the problem is that right now we go back to the idea of there being a need for increased security. But if I tie it to what you said about the EU act of controlling speech, saying that there is a need for security should be penalized and be considered hate speech. And why? Because, for instance, there is no reason why ethnic conflicts should be exported everywhere else. And for instance, it's one thing to want to help, but it's quite another to destroy yourself while you're helping. There need to be very realistic thinking going on when you're thinking about how to offer help. Because there can be ways in which you offer help and you are led into a situation where you lose the dominant culture and then you don't have people to defend the institutions and the way of life of your country if you're, let's say, in the West. And you basically make society less safe. Let's put it this way. Now, and let me go also on the... Uh, on the Biggest double standard award of the week. Let me just say here, this is the Turkish foreign minister, Hakan Fidan. He says, you occupy it, you seize the house, then you demolish that house. You rebuild it and put someone else in it. Then you call him a settler. This is not being a settler. This is theft. That's how it should be called from now on. And we have the answer from Eddie Zemanidis, the latest in double standards from Hakan Fidan. He said, and he says this from the person, the foreign minister yeah, of uh, Turkey, which ethnically cleansed the northern part of Cyprus, imported hundreds of thousands of settlers, ignores UN Security Council resolutions and European Court of Human Rights rulings on the subject, drove Kurds out of Rojava, Syria, and brought in buses of Syrians that never lived in Kurdish areas and gave them Turkish ID cards, just assisted the let's say, the butchers in Baku with their ethnic cleansing of Artsakh. So, just saying, you know, the, the answer of uh, Zemenidis. Okay. And I think I should leave it to that. Fair enough. I suppose we'll move to the video comments and uh, enjoy those. So I'm watching the Berserk episodes of Comics Corner and I noticed Harry's kind of offhand joke about Albion and the migrant invasion. And I was just wondering if you guys knew that Albion was actually something that England, Britain was called in the past in uh, mythology as well. 
Uh, sorry if you guys already knew or someone already took. Uh, thanks. God bless you guys. Thanks very much for sending in your video comment and uh, thanks for watching the series. I hope you're enjoying it. Yes, uh, we were, we are aware that Albion is an old mythical name for England. That's why that's one of the reasons I made the joke. Because in in the in the comic, there's a massive series of refugee migrations as this plague is sweeping through the fictional lands, and they all end up on this tower, the Tower of Conviction, or in the area around it, which is called Albion. And there's a little panel of it where some soldiers are looking outside the tower at this gigantic refugee camp, and they just say. Sometimes it just feels like Albion is being overwhelmed and flooded with all of these refugees. And I was reading it going, ah, oh, same. I know how you feel, bro. And this was written in the 90s as well, so it's quite impressive. You ever gone back and read the manifestos from the political parties in the 90s? Um, what, like Labour and Tories? Yeah, yeah. No, I've not. You could play like Hotspy uh, and Mods, the set then as well. And there's this, uh, always this buff or conversation about asylum shopping which is such a quaint term looking back at it. And it was people, these genuine asylum seekers. But what they would do is they'd uh, try and find the best country to move to. They wouldn't stay in the first country. They, they'd all try and move. So to they just, they'd shop around countries. But that was the only problem back then. It was like, man, asylum shopping is an issue. And I was like, Jesus Christ, there's millions of them. Yeah. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I love the idea that the guy in the 90s is writing that being like, whoa, the numbers, whoa. It's crazy. Whoa. <laughs> well, he was Japanese. It, 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 was, it was fictional, but it was just an okay. Im impressive bit of like, oh, okay, that, that, that fits. That rhymes. There is a lot of crossover between the Japanese and the British and student population, so you never know. I don't know about the author, but... Like, well, he's dead now. So. Ah, okay. But there was um, some famous anime. I don't watch anime, but there's this uh, one famous anime that actually has like a little castle, beautiful town, and someone on my... Because I joined Japanese society, because I joined every society at uni. And on the Facebook uh, group, someone posted this image of the anime and then realized, oh, it's the arch over Canterbury at the university. Oh, yeah. There's just random well, they're, stuff. They're really, really influenced by Western media over there. For instance, like Berserk itself, the main character, Guts, his design was based off of Arnold Schwarzenegger in, um, in uh, Conan the Barbarian. His, that, like, that's one of the best films ever. It, it is great. And yeah. a lot of it is based... It's it's based a lot on medieval fantasy, or at least is aping that style. It's a put, put through a Japanese lens. It works. Same with, uh, same with like Dark Souls. Dark Souls is very well known for having really difficult to follow fragmentary lore for it. And the reason for that is that the, uh, the director of the games read Lord of the Rings when he was a young, uh, young kid, and he could barely read any English. So he would just get these little fragments of the story here and there as he was trying to read through it and wanted to recreate that kind of experience. I remember John got a bit obsessed with uh, Dark Souls lore a while back. Apparently there's some really deep stuff as well. There is. It's just like references to myths that no one's even heard of, even though it's from their country. Because yeah. it's, it's just, you've got to... There's also talk of cycles that fits in with like Eastern conceptions of cyclical history in the Kali Yuga. It's pretty interesting. Mad stuff. Anyway, Omar Watt says, give... Sorry, give S a whole new meaning to feet. Sorry, I suppose. Give a whole new meaning. Because <laughs> he, he didn't write it right, so I couldn't read it right. Gives a whole you can't new... read anything right at the best of times. That's true, but also he didn't help. Gives a whole new meaning to feeding uh, the mili muck military industrial complex. Yeah, I suppose so. I, I would like to see. I don't know why Israel McDonald's pussied out. It's like, what do you care? You're M Israel McDonald's. Like, you can literally do anything. No one's going to criticize you. Just donate $10 million to the IDF. <laughs>
We brought <laughs> now with every uh, McDonald's Happy Meal purchased by an IDF soldier with his employee discount, a new M4. I mean, what, what's stopping them from doing that? Hey, honestly, I mean, they can do whatever they want. But I suppose then the, it, it steps up on the Muslim world. Then McDonald's have got to start throwing AKs out with the. We could really do so. Uh, are you saying? <laughs> are you saying that you could start the McDonald's arms race? Yeah, sponsored by CS:GO, new CS:GO-based toys. Anyway, Matt P says, "Begun the McDonald's war has." Has indeed. Someone online says, "Drop bacon burgers in the whole area, offend everyone." That's genius, <laughs> actually. The British are coming. Why, why are they? Why are they getting involved? They're doing airdrops. What are they dropping? Pig fat. <laughs> sausages on us no we, we drew a new uh, UN uh, disengagement line actually so now you can't walk over this barrier I reckon that will work what if you just dropped pork sausages across the entire barrier of Gaza yeah if we made a literal river of pig fat that, that flowed around their border would that work if instead of building a big concrete wall like parts of Israel have you just built a giant pork wall I mean it, you'd need to replenish it every so often because <laughs> it would get really smelly after a while. This but, is getting a bit insensitive, actually. I just realized what I'm saying. That's fine. All right. <laughs> oh, boy. Anyway, Lord Nervos says, I suppose they need to change the old saying. No two countries with McDonald's have ever gone to war. That's a good point. Well, to be fair, Gaza doesn't have McDonald's. So. I suggest no two countries with McDonald's where you can buy a bacon cheeseburger have ever gone to war. That's actually I mean, also, also there, was, uh, there was McDonald's in... Russia and uh, uh, McDonald's also Ukraine. in Ukraine as mm. well. Yeah. And that doesn't count just because McDonald's pulled out of Russia. It's now Zed McDonald's. <laughs> Furious Dan says Muk BLM and proxy wars in the Middle East. Meanwhile, McDonald's Japan goes viral for making a normal ad with a normal family eating burgers. What a time to be alive. Oh, yeah. Did you see that? Yeah, I was thinking of adding it in. I don't think there was enough time. Also, I found out there is a lot of Rule 34 about that. That lady. Carry on. Just, just anyway. <laughs> Matt Thompson says the pro-Palestine demonstrations have put the idea of deportation into the mainstream. Don't let them forget the image of Arab and South Asian men with Palestinian flags chanting "Gas the Jews" and uh, habituates the public to talk of deportation. Reminds them from which demographics the anti-Semitism came, then connect it to the issues mainly affecting the British: grooming gangs, terrorism, stabbing, dependence on welfare, etc. Uh, we have found multiculturalism's mush. Time to plunge their net. Uh, on a political argument point, I, I fully agree. that the, When you have flare-up conflicts from multiculturalism, you need to use that to defeat the political doctrine of multiculturalism, and that's the right thing to do. And, and anyone not doing that with this moment is, is and, and supports destroying multiculturalism has really missed a trick and, and should join in. Cool Wizard says, McDonald's are all right, but they'll never be the Burger King. I don't like Burger King either. I so expensive. Well, that's the thing. Generally, I'd say the quality of Burger King burgers is slightly higher, yeah. but not enough to justify the price hike. Whereas Five Guys is quite a bit more expensive, but a lot nicer. So if, and also, if you want to treat, yeah. then you can justify it. I have heard also that it's consistent in quality everywhere. Yes, that any I've, Five Guys is the same, and I've tried it. I really liked it, and I like the Cajun fries as well. Yeah, I've, I've had Five Guys in quite a few cities across England, and they tend to be and, very consistent. But let me just say something here, because it's important. I had not sponsored, by the way. I hadn't, eat, I hadn't uh, had McDonald's in years, and I tried here. I took a Royale with cheese. Why did you do that? Other than for the Pulp Fiction reference. 
Or, I don't get it. Have you not what? watched? Pulp you haven't Fiction? watched Pulp Fiction? No, I have, but I, whatever. I'm stupid. Leave it's like one of the opening conversations of the film. I'll be honest. The whole thing has been, you know, the meme about France instead. You know what they call a, a quarter pounder with cheese in France, and there's just Arabic letters. <laughs> that is that is from Pulp Fiction, except not Arabic. No. I have seen the film, but I just... That was n- 94 years ago. It was called Le Big Mac. <laughs> <laughs> you, you have the video on Twitter. Look what your... Look what the bureaucrats took from you. <laughs> Chat's like, uh, you might want to clip that bit. Harry's saying, I've had five guys in a few cities across England now. <laughs> oh, no. Good point, chat. For God's sake. <laughs> the Elmo Ginger says, as long as McDonald's doesn't get involved with a jet or a battleship, they're doing better than with Pepsi. Yeah, that's, you know about the Pepsi Navy? Or not? Do you? What have I done? <laughs> what have I done? Uh, the Soviet have, Union. I, have I funded subversive activity? No, the, the Soviet Union couldn't pay their bill for the Pepsi, so they just gave them some ships. It was back in the day. Wait, so there's a Pepsi Navy? There was, and then, because the point was the Pepsi would then s- turn the Navy into scrap, they would sell it for scrap metal and be so, paid that way. So this can may be made of Soviet ship? Probably not. Okay, they went, they in, I, in my dreams, okay. I've got a bit of Soviet, proper, uh, Soviet memorabilia right here. There's a whole other scandal about the jet fighter, but I'll, I can't be bothered. Uh, George Hap says, so McDonald's has transformed into a private military company supporting both sides of profits. Now I want the real Metal Gear-esque series with Ronald and co. <laughs> but if possible, with less pretentious cutscenes. No, the, those cutscenes from Metal Gear are not pretentious. They're glorious. It has given me some ideas. You skip the 30 to one hour long cutscenes in Metal Gear Solid, you're no friend of mine. I would like to relive, um, or at least rebirth, the Wagner group now, but have it be the McDonald's group. And you are friends with them, aren't you? No, no. Just to be clear. But, but I just love the idea that like, you, the McDonald's PMC, I think that meme's got some legs in it, is the point I'm making. Yeah, yeah. Right. Uh, skip the forward. Baron von Warhawk says, would you like fries with your jihad? Yes. Yes, they would. Derek Power says, make McDonald's decent again. I want to... Uh tell to Derek that I, I remember there was a comedian, I think it was Bill Burr, who said that Mac, uh, McDonald's stopped being decent when they, when they started doing salads. Say, so you're a burger place, just do burgers. Stop doing salads and being pretentious. You ever looked at the calorie counts of their salads as well? Yeah. You're better off eating the burgers. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not joking. I mean, also I'm the not... lettuce. I don't know if they're, they're actually washing it properly or something. Yeah. I wouldn't trust it. Yeah. I wouldn't trust it. Generally speaking, eating outside isn't the best thing. Yeah, that's why I, I don't get food at street vendors. When I go to Manchester, you've got rows and rows of outdoor street food places, and yeah. it just looks disgusting. It, it, we need low to see those videos about you know how to wash the lettuce properly. <laughs> but once again, Kitchen of the Lotus Eaters would probably do great. Yeah. Shaker Silver says, I sure do feel represented by our unelected overlords deciding what we can and cannot say, supposedly in our best interest, despite us never having a say in the process. I know, democracy is great, isn't it? Zombie Philip, the Duke of Edinburgh, throwing racist slurs from beyond the grave. I like that we're, <laughs> I like that we're sticking with that name. That's always funny. It, it is. The Gaza hospital seems to have been blown up by a rogue Hamas rocket that went up and malfunctioned. It was hypothesized that the reason for the huge explosion was that Hamas probably hid ammunition there due to being a target the IDF would avoid. That sounds plausible, but as far as it stands right now, I have no way of confirming or denying that. Same with any other claims being made about it. I know what really happened. Whatever confirms my bias. There you go. That's exactly it. Thank God. 
Twitter politics in a nutshell. <laughs> uh, Richard Monikendum says, hate, law- hate speech laws are nonsense. They are non-specific, overarching, and childish. They do not deal with the issues that are meant to, uh, to target. It's really about censorship. Yep. Anti-Semitism is left-wing politics, historically, and all the immigration from Muslim countries. Reality hurts, which is why they refuse to address it. Yeah, also, the whole thing with targeting Twitter in particular, and Elon Musk's Twitter in particular, is that he specifically added in the community notes function where you can correct people who are lying or spreading misinformation. So the whole thing seems to be, as always, just to target political opponents. I really think this is a really insightful comment because a lot of the time there is a confusion of the of cause and effect. And at least the way that things are presented, it, it seems as if it is speech that is causing the problems, whereas very often it's the other way around. It's, there are problems that piss people off and make them speak in ways that some people don't like. Yeah. Grant Gibson, I hope that Twitter does fall out of the EU and the other social media goes too. Make the normies face the consequences of these people in a sphere that they care about. Lord Kev Croft says, similar to when Elon asked the BBC interviewer repeatedly to cite a single example of hate speech on Twitter, similar response, none. There was another interview I saw going around, not of Elon, but some other American or, no, no, Canadian politician. Yeah, Bolivar, I mentioned that. Yeah, Pierre Bolivar. I say his name. I think that's how he pronounced his own name in the interview, where he, where he stood there eating an apple. And the way to destroy these lefty interviewers is you just ask them a follow-up question on their question. What do you mean by that? Before I answer that question, can we define what you're actually talking about? Can you give me an example before I answer on discussion of these examples of hate speech that you're supposedly attributing to me? Because they never actually have done any of the due diligence to try and understand what they're talking about. They're just throwing epithets at you. You're you're right. Yeah, I don't think. Are you are you translating the name of your party in several languages? No, I'm trying to translate Pierre's name into English from English. And okay. Google Translate has come up with a. I'm just gonna call him Pierre. I'm not saying the last name. It's French anyway. You don't have to. X Y and Z E says perhaps Elon should start removing EU related Twitter accounts for being a source of disinformation. That would be quite funny. Arizona Desert Rat. Hmm. How many of these companies are going to start just quitting on the EU? I can see some of them not wanting to risk the money since many of them are public platforms with hundreds of millions to billions of users and it'll be impossible to monitor every single post. Well, that's why you've got the AI developing at the moment. The AI is being touted as some kind of way to monitor everything. But AI, whether that's actually going to be reliable, whether you're going to be able to trust it to make the right calls every time, we already know how bad a lot of these algorithms can be. I mean, look at the way that the algorithm in YouTube has targeted people over the years. It takes years and years and years to fine-tune these things to get things right. And still, nobody understands how it actually works. So I don't think we'll be any more successful with AI. Kevin Fox. So speaking of censorship, when are GB News going to take the Welsh Senate for breaking for breaching their human rights by banning their broadcast in the Senate? Also, Ofcom just lost its online safety director for being anti-Semitic. That's <laughs> still funny. <laughs> you see, the ADL um, got caught out as well. Oh, did they? One of the uh, Muslim ladies that were pulling down all those posters. Well, she got ID'd. She works for the ADL. Funny thing was, ADL also... Um, ADL run by anti-Semites. Oxford. Sorry, Oxcom run by anti-Semites. A- ADL also did a post about Israel-Palestine recently, which I think they immediately took down but got saved before they could get it, um, get it taken down, where they just, said, they just said, it's completely irresponsible and unrealistic for us to, for us to deny Jewish identity and deny a one-state solution for Israel. 
And he's like, oh, wow. Sure, sure sounds nice to be able to say those sorts of things about your home country, doesn't it? You send me the archive of that. I can find it again, yeah. Thank you so much. I'll come in handy. Yeah, um, Stelios, your yep. comments. Okay, so Sam Weston, talking of warfare, Stelios, is Sun Tzu's The Art of War something you would ever discuss in a symposium? The answer is absolutely. Uh, I have it here and I'm planning to do one soon. Um, Citizen Philosopher Detroit, the insistence of our governments to push the correct conception of multiculturalism just makes me think the elites are trying to provoke a race war. I have no doubt there are certain conceptions of multiculturalism that can work, but we are not taking into account the compatibility of certain cultures. Cultural cultures based on respect and politeness, such as the Japanese and the British, would probably dovetail nicely. But flooding Western nations with cultures that are self-concerned is a recipe for division and chaos, especially considering it feels basically illegal to want to perpetuate native culture. Yes, and um, I think that it's a very important question to ask about cultural continuities and discontinuities. So some cultures are more compatible than others. I think yeah. that goes without even, saying. Even then with Japan, uh, Japan and the British, we, we do share some elements of the fact that we're quite calm, temp temperamental wise we yeah. like to keep to ourselves but even in comparison um to us the japanese are really reserved even japanese americans when they go over to japan are considered yeah. really loud and uncouth i, I just see callum smiling and i just remember you're about to you're about to do some hate speech no no no, no. <laughs> <laughs> i can do yeah. it on command if you ask yeah. <laughs> No, I was just remembering this video when you were speaking about that, of just how nice they seem to be in general. Like some streamer is trying to open a bottle while he's got a camera, and some like Japanese guy who's a security guard just comes up, opens his bottle for him, and walks off. Yeah, they're, they're very polite people, which is why, even in comparison, we seem really brutish. There's also this other one where this, uh, this guy, I guess everyone needs a job over there as well. I don't know what's going on. But there's this old guy who's helping with buses. I don't know you need help. He stops the bus, and then he walks out into the traffic and stops the traffic and lets the bus go. And then just before he goes back to the side, he doesn't just go, all right, fine, and move off. He, he bows and is like, thank you very much, and then salutes the car and walks off. It's like, what the I, hell? I've, I've heard somewhere, I don't know if it's Japan or in uh, some places in China, I really don't know, but there are some professional people who are pushing others in order to fit in on the subway wagons. I think, yeah, it's in Japan, I think. That's, yeah, yeah. Okay. So, uh, Bilbo Baggins. <laughs> Nativist language sounds like an admonition that there are native populations in Europe. It's <laughs> a good point. It's hate speech. Let's be careful there. Okay. Uh, Sophie Liv. Yeah. A big issue is also just how entitled people has, have started to feel to these things. Thinking they shouldn't have to work, shouldn't have to give back. Uh, this is just normal for people now, so they can't even imagine a world where people are not given things. And that's probably also why a country like Nigeria that doesn't give that kind of handout looks like hell in their eyes, and you must take care of those people because they think their own normal is the overall normal. And of course it's not. It's the welfare state is entirely abnormal. And I think that there is also another element into it that a lot of the progressivist leftist parties in western societies they just they they know they're losing the native population and they really want to play divide and conquer and just change the mix so they have more supporters 
And uh, Matt Thompson, Bastani has been in damage control for multiculturalism, multiracialism the whole week. He definitely feels like he's on the back foot. Also, why poor East Asians commit such little crime? Socioeconomic conditions is little more than a ransom. You must guarantee a middle class living standard increasingly out of reach of the natives to immigrants, dysfunctional ethnic groups, or else they will become valid terrorists and it will be your fault. Yeah, yeah that, that's exactly it. Yeah, that, yeah, that's exactly it. And you constantly tax the native population of Western countries to death in order to we must give raise more handouts. The class, or they commit crimes and it's your fault. Yeah. Let's not forget the wonderful economist graph that they posted about how it's complicated when it asks, uh, are, are these people uh, welfare gains or drains on the, uh, European countries, specifically Britain? And it's like, well, the Danish are really good when they get here. They, they contribute a lot. Uh, nobody so, else does. So who knows? Yeah. Also, uh, before, before we finish up anything, I did find the quote from the ADL article, if you'd like me to read it. I suppose so. Share with the class. Uh, the ADL said in response to a two-state solution that was proposed to Israel between Israel and Palestine, they said, it is unrealistic and unacceptable to expect the state of Israel to voluntarily subvert its own sovereign existence and nationalist identity and become a vulnerable minority within what was once its own territory. Uh, I think the EU really needs to get on that. And on that bombshell, That's it's time to end the show. That's nasty nativist language. So if you'd like one from us, um, come back in 30 minutes uh, or tomorrow or uh, 3 o'clock tomorrow for miles, any of them. I mean, if that doesn't do you in, I don't know what the hell's wrong with you. All right, see you tomorrow. Bye.